Well, hello, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. I believe this is episode 176, but I'm told I often get the numbers wrong, but it is our second in the series from the Supper Club. We're talking to a publicist today named Patricia May Olson, and she's going to, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but among them dress, because she's a super fashionable person and has her own publicity business. This episode is brought to you by the Practical Guide to Effective Communication. Get recognized for the value you already contribute. It's available on Amazon. Get a copy for yourself. Get a copy for your team, not to read in one sitting, but to have on your desk, in your bookcase, so that when you have that key message, you take a chapter, read it as a quick read. There's there's even team exercises you can do to help you be a better communication coach for your team. So that is our sponsor. And now we're going to dive into our conversation with Patricia. So Patricia, by the way, everybody, Patricia has her own publicity company called Peaked PR. And I believe, aren't you in Pennsylvania? Is that right? I am. I am outside of Philadelphia, about an hour outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs here. All right. And uh, Patricia is also an influencer. I'm doing this series of podcasts within the Speak Up podcast family. This is called the Supper Club series. And it's, uh, you know, talking to influencers and people in a different industry than what I usually am interviewing executive coaches and executive leaders. And now we're going to talk to some fun, creative business owners who uh, either are influencers and or work with influencers to try to pick up, you know, the the way of influence has changed. The way of communication has changed. Audiences are changing. And maybe we can pick up some creative tips that we can bring into our jobs. But Patricia, just give us a quick run through on, you know, your career journey. I know you're young. You haven't been in business, you know, 50 years, but (laughs) tell us how you got started. Yeah, certainly. So my background is um, I have a degree in communication, PR and fashion merchandising. I have always loved fashion and a lifestyle and putting things together and making them pretty essentially. But I've never had the skills necessarily to be a designer. So Early on, a mentor of mine who actually worked um, at Deloitte in their communications department, who was a family friend, kind of steered me in the communications PR realm because she knew that I was um, a strong and passionate writer. And I kind of focused in then on that communications PR career, but with a focus more on fashion and lifestyle brands. So I worked at an agency um, right out of right after college, Quaker City Mercantile, which they are marketing company, but also have their own in-house brands that they create. Mm-hmm. So we did PR and marketing for brands like Sailor Jerry Rum and Hendrix Gin, uh, but they also created their own liquor brands as well. So while I was there you know, I I love a good cocktail and enjoy a great cocktail, but I just didn't fit in with the community there. I felt Mm -hmm. I'm someone that loves color and almost has a little bit more of a preppy put together look and uh, no hate to them, but everyone was much more hipster and laid back and tattoos. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just, it wasn't a great fit for me. I felt like I, I felt like I wasn't thriving there. So 
I started freelancing on the side with clients that I really enjoyed, um, more specifically in clothing and uh, home decor and accessories. And I started PR then about almost 10 years ago. So I've been doing this. And like I said, I work primarily with lifestyle brands handling their traditional PR. So getting them featured in Oprah Magazine and Southern Living and you know all of those major publications. But then Another leg of that, of course, is the influencer marketing, which is so big nowadays. And I do some events for clients and social media marketing, too. Well, you sound like a busy bee for sure. And I know that you are out there and and audience, her Instagram hand, I think I said it, but you should look again if you if you did. And it's Patricia may olson o-l-s-o-n and she has you can see that she that her she has a lot of energy and a lot of style. And it, you know, she does really uh, remarkable work, very attractive and very effective. So, Patricia, tell us, like, how are audiences different today? Like, since you graduated from college, now that we're post-COVID, you know, the social media has really changed how we do public relations. Has the audience changed as well or just the channels? Yeah, I would say um, Instagram launched when I was in college. And I remember if you scroll way back on my Instagram, you can still find some of those pictures. Like there's college graduation pictures on there with me in cap and gowns. So I think that's so funny. But back then it was more, you know, you were posting more of your everyday life. It wasn't as glossy, I feel like, as sometimes. Right, right. Now. Yeah, uh, true. Because no one really knew, you know, what it was or how long it would be around for or what to do with it. And I think primarily Instagram, for example, was created as a, a, a photo app, like it was created by a photographer. Um, and it had those filters that you could put on it because mm-hmm. if you could do it, even if you weren't a professional photographer was essentially the point. So I think it's definitely changed a lot in these years. I mean, now every business has social media accounts. So I think it changed from that consumer perspective and, and being more of a photography tool to now being a a full form of marketing that every business needs. All of my clients, you know, are all on social media and that's such an important part of their business. That's where a lot of their sales come from, honestly. Oh my, yeah, it's true. So are they spending less on television and radio if they are magazine? Like where, where is it coming from the money? Yeah, certainly. So I always say for a good campaign, you need a combination of both. You need the social media and the influencer marketing with traditional PR. We're still seeing traditional PR being so strong because the credibility that's tied with that. Mm -hmm. So when someone's featured in an Oprah magazine, you know, they'll put that on their website and carry it with them for years. And everyone knows who that is. Whereas an influencer, they're more specific. You know, you have to follow that influencer and be into that influencer style. And there's so many influencers out there. So they both really do have a, a value. You know, I don't see my clients personally doing as much radio advertisements, even newspaper, it depends on how large the company is, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's something hyper local, obviously, then we'll pitch that more to a a newspaper. But I would say traditional print in terms of the larger magazines is still Mm -hmm. just as important. And a lot of them have their digital platforms too. Um, Yes, that's true. So what can somebody who works in corporate 
you know, a, a director, senior director, our vice president of a, a large or small or medium-sized company in meetings all day. Like how, it seems like what, what I'm hearing is that Instagram has made us more visually sophisticated. Like that's more, the, the bar is raised, right? Mm-hmm. It's no longer just pictures of your graduation, but they have to be styled and, or, or at least that's the, the perception. But what would you say is that, you know, your clients are a lot of them are corporations. Like mm-hmm. how can somebody use that in to promote themselves internally or build their career? Do you have any ideas around that? Yeah. So I'm so passionate about this because, and I, I mentioned this to a lot of people is I think everyone, if you have a business or if you aspire to be an entrepreneur and have your own business, I think it's so important to think of yourself as an influencer, put yourself in that mindset, because these days, you know, we're giving product, like, let's say I have a a jewelry brand as a, um, one of my clients, Mm -hmm we are sending that jewelry to, you know, how you think of traditional influencers like fashion bloggers and things, but also to other CEOs or other business owners and having them promote it too. I think nowadays consumers, they're so interested in learning about the behind the scenes or they care so much more about the behind of the business. Like who, who works there? Who owns that? Like, what are their values? What's their life like? Whereas before there was, you know, a curtain up that you never really saw those people or knew who they were, but that's so different these days. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, who, who was with Amazon, who's with Apple, like everyone knows that information these days. So it's important to have your social media and of course be careful with it like you don't want to post things that are going to come and bite you in the butt later but use right. it to your advantage you know if you're if you're trying to attract some new customers or a, a different customer base then think strategically about you know what might their interest be and how does that relate to you and how could you show that how could you um show more behind the scenes or put yourself maybe in either um a light where you're more relatable and you can use social media to do that or or maybe you, you know, you want to look more sophisticated, then you can use that to your advantage and use social media to your advantage. So I think, you know, thinking strategically about how you as a business owner um, or an executive or whatever it may be, um, how you are an influencer yourself and how you can use these tools that we have nowadays to your advantage. That is so interesting. So I'm putting myself in the shoes of say a vice president of a regional bank you know or or a credit card company so you're saying that i should think of myself as an influencer for my employer on social media or maybe internally and just like use that mindset to drive my communications is that what you're is that am i capturing that Yep. So whether it's it, your employers or even your customers, I mean, oh, okay. so much about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of it, you know, just like you're going to a networking event. Um, social media can be used for networking. Social media can be used to connect with others, whether it's, you know, a, through a formal business deal or just connect with them more on an emotional or um you know, a lifestyle level. So that's kind of what I'm saying is it's it's a great tool to um, portray the company's values or even your work ethic and, and your interest. I love that idea of using this uh, social media uh, to network. So 
how does that, how, you know, I'm not very uh, good at social media. So tell me like, how can I do that? You know, how can I use social media to expand my, my reach? And uh, as a, I'm a business owner, but most people listening today are, you know, they, they, they work in big companies or bigger companies and but they're all interested in, you know, having more visibility, um, having, you know, preparing themselves for that next career step. And my, I'm making the argument that besides all the traditional corporate tools at your disposal, think outside the box, think like an influencer, think like a business owner about your career. So how can we, how, how does one build a network using social media? Certainly. So it's actually really funny because I got that first job at Quaker City Mercantile through social media. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, obviously this, this story is a little bit different than if you're higher up on the ladder than I was mm-hmm. when I first started my career. But back then with this example, I had... Um, I followed everyone in the PR and communications um, industry in my area on Twitter. In- on Twitter. Oh, okay. On Twitter so, back then. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I changed my bio to say that I was a recent grad. Um, I had a degree in communications and fashion merchandising, and I was looking to get started in the PR uh, world. And mm-hmm. so I followed, like I said, all these um, industry leaders in the area. And one of them messaged me back and said, hi, like we're hiring. Would you like to send me your resume? And I did. I went in for an interview then like the next week and got the job. So, um, you know, it's about thinking creatively. And like I said, using tools to your advantage. So um, in this example, I would say LinkedIn's probably the strongest social media platform for something um, like connecting, you know, if you were looking to change jobs, um, and LinkedIn's so great now because I think when it started, it was so different than even it is now. You can update your status. You can um, share things and and like other people's uh, things that they're putting out there and sharing. So I would always, you know, me as a publicist, anytime I have a news segment that uh, I was featured in or a client got featured in press, I share that on LinkedIn, a link with it or a picture of it and explaining it. Um, and, you know, that, that just adds to my portfolio. And then people are seeing all that I'm doing and are interested in that. Uh, So I think you could do the same thing. And of course, just reaching out through DMs, whether that's on Instagram or LinkedIn um, or Facebook, that's also so important to, you know, making those connections. And just as it goes with writing an email or making a phone call, the worst they can do is not answer you back, you know, there's very little risk in it. No, I love these. I want to just sum it up for everybody who's listening. So these are Patricia's ideas, which I think are outstanding on actually using social media for networking. You don't have to leave your office or your home <laughs> office. That, what could be better? So follow people that you're interested in becoming peers with or having some kind of work relationship or personal relationship. Follow them on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, I think uh, watching out for your bio, some of you probably haven't updated your bio in a few years. Definitely, you know, if you're listening, I think you should look at your LinkedIn bio as a thought leader in your field. And if you're, you know, data analyst for a pharmaceutical company, like 
that's a niche. How are you a thought leader in that? You don't have to use the words thought leadership, but like, what are you, how are you trying to move the needle in that? Sharing key client news on social media, following your clients and connecting with people and giving them a, yeah, sending them a DM. If they don't respond, well, that's their loss, right? Um, so, uh, so that's, those are very um, cool ways. It doesn't take too much time. And it allows you to reach a lot more people than you can possibly think about reaching in person. Although in person, you know, has its own magic, right? The energy is always special uh, in person. Certainly. And, you know, you can make these connections initially over social media. Um, you know, whenever I am traveling, I travel often for work. Um, mm -hmm if I'm traveling to a city and, you know, I might connect with someone on Instagram or LinkedIn um, that I've been talking to for a while and be like, Hey, do you want to meet for coffee while I'm in town? Uh, so it can start on social media, but then of course, you know, you can take it to the next level and uh, meet for coffee and uh, grow those relationships. Yes. I love that. Yeah, to connect with them on social media and then who knows? Well, I just had a client we didn't connect on social media, but we, we connected on social media because she has a food truck besides her corporate job. And that food truck is coming to Charleston in the spring. So we wanted to make sure that we could uh, meet in person when the food truck comes here for a festival. So just be creative, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Patricia, we want, I wanted, I, you know, we met at a summer club meeting in Atlanta and I can tell you, Patricia was extremely chic and um, put it well, she puts herself together good, as they would say in South Carolina. Um, so how important is it, um, you know, the way you, you dress, especially working from home? Like I see, but what really makes me laugh sometimes is I'll have, I'll talk to a young man in a ripped t-shirt and he'll say, yeah, I want to have executive presence. <laughs> and I'll be like, huh, <laughs> well, <laughs> how about a shirt with a collar? But, you know, that they swear to me that that would be too weird in some of these tech companies. But what is your point of view on clothing for yeah. work? I think so. Clothing makes you feel a certain way. So whatever you put on, it's going to make you feel a certain way, right? Um, whether you are dressing up more than you have to, to try to elevate yourself, or, you know, you are dressing more casually like that example, because maybe then you seem more approachable um, to those that you work with, or maybe um, it's portraying then more of a laid back vibe that you want in your mm -hmm. work community. So um, clothing, I think, plays into communication so much. Um, it's your first impression before you even open your mouth, think about it. When you are meeting someone for the first time, before you even say hello, before you even, you know, shake hands, you're seeing what the other person's wearing and that's right. sending a message to them. So whether it's, you know, that you're wearing a ripped t-shirt or you are um, wearing a suit and tie, like those are two different messages and mean two different things. And um, I think a lot of times in fashion, you know, looking a certain way comes across as, um, you know, you have to spend a certain amount of money, but I don't think that's necessarily true. It's, it's all about how you're presenting yourself and how you're pulling it together. And that's, that's the message you could, you know, be pulled together and looking great and portray that message without spending a ton, um, or, 
you know, sometimes we wear labels for certain reasons because we want to uh, portray a um, elite status maybe. So there's all different reasons that, you know, we, we dress up or we dress down. And that's really the first form of communication between yourself and anyone. I love that. Is that actually just being more strategic about, <laughs> about how, about what you're wearing? I hadn't thought about being more approachable but that is you know like if a ceo is trying to um, establish him or herself as a person who is approachable to the people down the food chain wearing the suit you know might not achieve that goal he might be more appro approachable wearing a golf shirt or mm -hmm. maybe a t-shirt i don't know um but so, so you're saying is to really think about, are you trying to elevate yourself or be more approachable? Those are like two ways, but at the end of the day, it's really about how you feel in the clothes. And I will point out, probably you were going to say this, but the thing about labels, everybody listening is that you can go to an upscale thrift shop and get the label at a lot for a lot less and <laughs> yeah. um, you know I or shop the sales but mm -hmm. um I, I think it is good I like dressing high low mixing you know top labels with you know non-top labels um but it's a matter of you know personal preference I, there's would you say there are not any rules anymore about dressing for the dressing for work I mean, it depends, honestly, on a, a case by case basis. I feel like some um, and also, you know, what industry you're in, it breaks down into industry, but then also um, what your office, particularly if they still hold certain standards of what you have to dress um, mm -hmm. like for certain things. And, um, you know, my husband's an attorney and he only has to go into the office these days three times a week and then can be at home the other two and so that kind of affects how he dresses and obviously you know if you're going to court then you're going to dress a different way than if you're just in the office with your colleagues right. um so i think yeah the the rules have definitely changed but there's almost there's no consistency i would say maybe nowadays yes which gives you room to for creative expression and uh, but maybe need to you know be be smart about it you know you don't probably don't want to wear you know um, a band-aid dress to work yet <laughs> although if you were giving a talk that might be just you know in some circumstances that would be in a band-aid dress I don't even know if I'm using the right word maybe it's a band dress it's just a skimpy Skimpy dress that's really good for parties, but not necessarily for work. Um, so what would, if somebody wants to elevate their look, male or female, or take both cases, what, what you know, of course, you're not seeing them, but what, what should we look for, those of us who want to elevate our look? Yeah, I think the easiest way to elevate a look um, is honestly accessories. And that's for a male as well. So whether it's um, for a male, you know, a, a great belt can go a long way, you know, with your tucked in shirt um, or a great watch. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the fancy Rolex, but just something that looks really great um, and professional. It could just be a beautiful leather band and there's so many options out there. Or, or maybe it's upgrading your your Apple watch because everyone wears those these days mm -hmm. um, to a nicer band. You can get those even on Amazon. Um, okay. and, 
then even for women, you know, going back to accessories, I love belts for women too, whether it's with a dress and it's more around your natural waist or it's with your jeans or your dress pants. Um, I also, of course, think uh, your earrings or necklace or bracelets are a great way um, to accessorize. And I think, you know, that's one of the easier ways to elevate a look is you know, get some classic pieces for girls, I would say, you know, pearls or um, just some great pieces in neutrals to like blacks or grays, um, or maybe a pop of color that, you know, complements your skin tones really nicely. Um, accessories, I think, are an easy way to elevate a look. And obviously, you can wear them with multiple pieces then too. Oh, absolutely. A good, a good watch, a good scarf is going to last you at least 10 years. I mean, that's the great thing about those quality accessories is that they really do last. I have, I do have a Rolex. I was given it when I graduated from college and that was a long time ago and I <laughs> still wear it. So I think uh, the, the cost per wear is pretty low uh, because it has stood the test of time. So are there any no-nos anymore? Like definitely don't do this or that, like especially with working from home, you know, the remote meetings. Have you seen anything that is just not, not helpful as far as uh, Zoom appearance? Yeah, um, I think obviously your top is the most important on yes. that's what everyone's seeing. Um, and I think, of course, you know, making sure that your hair's, you know, put together and you you're not just rolling out of bed with bedhead. Um, I think a great, if you're a female, you know, a great lipstick or lip gloss still goes a long way, especially on Zoom, because you can see that a uh, nice pop of color. Um, but, you know, a great sweater, a great um, blouse, a great button up shirt or collared shirt for men, I think is also great um, on Zoom. And I would say, you know, patterns can be hard sometimes on Zoom, especially if you're um, taking the background out and, you know, <laughs> putting a new one in uh, on your Zoom uh, screen. The patterns can be hard sometimes with that or competing. So I think you're always better on Zoom with a uh, solid, of course. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you can find a good a good print that's not too busy, that's fine. Yes, but also stripes. I have a nice, I love this pinstripe button down but it looks so weird on the zoom it <laughs> creates this moire effect that looks strange but on the zoom i wanted to just share a couple of if you are really interested in elevating your look which i i'll go through spells that i'll be like oh, i'm going so i'll drink water out of a you know crystal glass and elevate the pen i always uh, talk to people with the pen in my hand because i'm so used to taking notes and writing things down oh and i want to to share this uh finding I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I did. There's research done that the um, blurry background is the best because it helps people focus on you, and it doesn't matter. You know, they can't tell what's going on in the background. And I played with a. I found this really fun um, digital background, but it's I it does weird things, you know, when you turn a certain way, you can't see your hand. So I'm going <laughs> to switch to the blurry one. Um, so, so, so that, but taking that into consideration, I once was working with a high level executive 
I mean, I've coached people in laundry rooms, stairwells, basements. <laughs> and of course, you know, early into the lockdown, that was pretty standard. But now I think the the expectation is that it looks it pretty, you know, not cluttery, wouldn't you mm-hmm. say? Yes. Yeah, of course. You want to be... Um... You want it to be clean and crisp behind you, not too much uh, clutter. I'm someone in my home. I love wallpaper and chinoiserie, which is not Mm -hmm. a great background. Not a minimalist look. Yes. Um, So, uh, you know, what we do is we get strategic at our house and um, all of our, our doors are painted white, of course. So we position the camera sometimes where the, the door is actually the background then. Oh, um, okay. We do have a lot of busy uh, wallpaper patterns and bright color walls here. Oh, right. Well, that sounds like a fun place to be. Um, <laughs> yes. I was going to ask, okay, so I want to, you know, we're winding down. I want to ask you about this, what your tip is for this situation. It's not just about clothes, but I want you to give me all the lowdown when you're facing an intimidating audience, because that is what something that my clients and I talk about a lot when they they're fine, you know, 95% of the time, but then it's that, you know, board of directors or executive board or potential investor and just handling the nerves. And I think of course, dressing would be uh, good for that and, and preparing. But uh, since you talk to audiences, different audiences all the time, Have you ever been intimidated and can you tell us a story about uh, what you would recommend to not get that brain freeze from feeling that you're not in the right place? Yeah, of course. I mean, so relating to clothes, I would say having something um, that you feel confident in. So Mm -hmm. one of your favorite pieces, wear that for it. Um, Of course, you want it to be professional and fit in with wherever this meeting um, is taking place. Uh, And I think one of the best ways to feel confident in your clothes is investing in a tailor. So I am petite, I'm only 5'2", and so I always have to get most of my pants hemmed up, um, even the shoulders taken up in a lot of things. And when something fits you perfectly, you just radiate confidence um, and can feel so much better walking into room. But in terms um, of other advice, and if I've been in a situation like this, um, I actually do uh, TV segments and speak at conferences occasionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's always, you know, that moment where you're nervous going into it. Um, most of the time I have more nerves with speaking in front of a room of a lot of people versus on TV, but mm-hmm. I have been in a few um, instances with TV where they want me to do something live instead of that I can prepare for. Um, mm-hmm. So live selling, talking about points, essentially. The best thing I would say for that is to go in prepared, um, I am someone who's a visual uh, learner. So if I'm making a speech or if I um, am talking or presenting something, I always write things down and I write them down like five times in a row. So that it really sticks in my head. And also just going through it and writing it down is sort of creating an outline to make sure that I'm not forgetting anything that's important that I want to mention, or, um, you know, maybe the order of which that I want to present mm-hmm. something that makes the most sense. So that's really my best tip for feeling prepared um, is 
writing things physically down because then it sticks in your head. Um, and it also just better prepares you for your plan going into it um, so that you can feel confident as, as you're talking. Yes, I, I love that, especially the order of things. And so are you talking about memorizing or like the keywords, like first, you know, this example, example B, example C, or like, yeah. what is it that you write down? Exactly? So anything, honestly, I'm just someone, I mean, I write multiple notes throughout the day, but specifically with the TV segments, um, I'm writing down, you know, the, the products that I have to talk about and specifically the pricing. They, have, they ask me specific pricing on air and that's <laughs> very hard. And especially when things are also on sale and I have to remember, you know, $50, but then also it's, you know, 25% <laughs> off until the 12th. Oh, um, wow. You're and right. Like numbers like that. So I, I write yes. them over and over again. Um, but, you know, if I'm doing a presentation or maybe I'm, I'm talking with a client and negotiating something then I, I still write those things down because there's points that I want to make sure to hit. Um, that way I don't go back later. And I'm like, oh, darn, I wish I said this, or I forgot about that part. I love that. So if uh, somebody in this audience who is normally not in the media gets uh, re asked to be on television to talk about something going on at their company, uh, what do you, how do you recommend that they prepare? Give us a media training in five minutes of what would be the, the thing to prepare for, you know, say they're going to talk about a new um, development in their in their research or something like what it what's tell us how to how to finesse that yeah so um I always start, like I said, with a list so start mm -hmm. with your list and bullet that out um of the important points that you want to hit most tv segments are normally only a couple of minutes like I would oh, say okay. the top that I've ever done unless you're getting a whole feature on you and it's 30 minutes but most of the yeah. time it's uh, five minutes is even a long time. Like they're like three minutes or less. Oh, um, okay. So because of that though, you think you're so nervous going into it and think that, oh my gosh, I have all this time, but really it's not a lot of time. So that's why making that list ahead of time is mm -hmm. very, very important. Um, and there's some things that um, the host or whoever's talking with you is going to guide you on. And it might take away from what you're trying to say. So mm -hmm. have your ideas written down of the really important parts. I would uh, go over them uh, in front of someone of what you want to talk about. Or if you can't do that, then at least a mirror just to get some advice on um, how you look when you're presenting things or, you know, maybe uh, there's things you're forgetting. And so by saying it out loud and going through your speech, you might remember some different things. Um, I also going back to clothing then with it as well, wearing solid colors, um, not prints. Prints can be hard on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times they'll tell you not to wear green in case you're in front of a green screen mm -hmm. <laughs> and you don't yeah. want to blend in. Right. Uh, so that that's also very important. Um, I always do like a face mask before I go on air um, mm -hmm. the night before and drink lots of water, get sleep. If you're a female, always your nails painted, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're maybe you're even talking about a product or showing something okay. um, on a screen, you know, you don't realize you're going to be pointing and your nails are going to be in a lot of focus. Right. Yeah. So those are, those are some tips I would say. Well, thank you so much. You're, I feel like everybody here is equipped to be on the Today Show now that, <laughs> now that we've talked to Patricia. Uh, this has been awesome. I have, uh, I wanted some quick rapid fire questions for you. 
And then uh, let people know how they can uh, follow you in, on social media or uh, what, how to best uh, connect with you. Maybe somebody in the audience needs some peaked PR. All right. So where did you go on your last vacation? Um, Cape May, New Jersey for our mini honeymoon. Oh, and how is, what kind of, is that a beach resort? Yes, it's, it's an old resort beach. Um, that's really nice. So we had a great time. Good. What is your favorite dessert? Um, a sorbet, a fruity sorbet. Mm. Lean more on the fruity side. <laughs> yeah, that sounds healthy. Uh, what is your favorite store? Oh, online. I love Tucker Nuck. I would say I shop there a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what, what kind of music do you like to listen to? I like all sorts of music, honestly, from country to Frank Sinatra, uh, to more rock music. So that, that one's a hard one. I listen to basically everything. Okay. And is there a movie you can recommend to us? Uh, my all-time favorite movie is The Holiday. I watch it even when it's not Christmas multiple times a month. Oh, so okay. All I right. Just, I love those feel-good uh, sorts of movies. Yeah, good. How would you describe your personal style? I would say my style is preppy with a twist, meaning that it's classic, but I still like to throw in some unexpected touches. Very, is very chic. And two more questions. Were you afraid of anything as a child? Um, as a little kid, yes, the dark. So I would always sleep with a nightlight on. <laughs> yeah. Do you collect anything? I collect lots of things. Um, oh, chinoiserie. <laughs> yeah, chinoiserie, um, vintage clip-on earrings, because I actually don't have my ears pierced. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I always hunt for those. Um, I like to collect things right now with butterflies. Uh, mm -hmm. And I also do love like uh, pineapple motifs on things. And of course, ginger jars and chinoiserie, like you mentioned. Oh my goodness. That was, that's so much fun. <laughs> so how can people connect with you that are listening? Yes. Yeah, so you can connect with me either. Um, my business is Peaked PR. So that's peakedpr.com and at Peaked PR on Instagram. And that's uh, peak, like to pique someone's interest. So P-I-Q-U-E-D. PR. Um, and my personal Instagram is at Patricia underscore May with an E underscore Olson with two O's. <laughs> okay. Well, the, everybody, I'm sure you feel more glamorous just having spoken to Patricia, who is very glamorous. And it was great. To, these are all very practical tips on how we can be more strategic in dressing, how we can uh, expand our networks using social media. Preparing for that TV appearance could be waiting for you this year. And uh, I love her creative tips for dealing with intimidating audiences. So thank you so much, Patricia. It was a pleasure having you and audience. Thank you for listening and tuning in. And I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>